So we come to this great commission, familiar words for most of us. Anytime we've been involved in a missions conference, a missions weekend, or going into missions, we normally come to this great commission passage in Matthew 28. And we read through it, and we look at it, and we try to motivate people. This is what you need to be doing. This is how you should uh, go out and, and live your life. And in it, oftentimes, in doing that, we forget that last verse, which is the promise of why we should do this and how we should do this and where will this lead us. And the promise is this, that Jesus has come and said, because I'm with you. You can accomplish these things and all these things that I command you to do because my presence is with you. And I will never leave you. Because of that, we should be different people than the rest of the people on the earth that do not either believe or have this promise. Our lives should be completely unique in comparison to those who do not believe or do not have this promise. We should not be a people that live cowering in fear or relying upon the wisdom of this world as our own wisdom. But we should be a people of courage, a people of strength, a people of confidence. For this one reason and this one reason only because we have a promise from one who has all authority that he is with us and will never leave us. And so when we read the Great Commission, we're not reading just words for motivation, but we're reading a command with this promise that demands a response. And we should be careful to understand that no response is a response. So join me as we go into these words of this great commission. It says now in verse 16, there were 11 disciples who went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And back in, I think it's in 26, Jesus had told them, to go someplace and wait until he comes and meets them. And it says that they saw him when they were there and they worshipped him. I remember uh, when my dad was passing and we were in the ICU room and he was on life support machines and um, there was just he and I there in that dark room, uh, you know, and those of you who have been in that circumstance understand the arena you understand the beeping noises and the sounds and, and the breathing apparatuses and all those things. And it was in that moment that I realized uh, the chances are that my father is going to go be with Jesus at any moment. So much so that eventually the doctors came in and said, Mr. Bradford, we need to talk. We need to talk about how to begin the process of shutting everything down. And so we did. We worked through the paperwork, and we, he told me the procedures that were going to happen and what to expect. 
And sure enough, the papers were signed, the machines were turned off, and I held my dad's hand as he slowly slipped away. About two weeks later, I was laying on the couch. It was in the middle of the afternoon, and I had fallen asleep. And in that two-week period of time, I can't tell you how many times I was wrestling with, did I make the right decision? Was it really that time? Should we have given it one more day? And I agonized over that, and I, I fretted. And in the middle of this nap, in the middle of this sleep, I had a dream. And it was a dream about my friend, who was also my pastor at the time, appeared in this dream out in the middle of the woods and said, Come here, I want to show you something. And we walked through a trail in the woods and we came up on a little house. And as we came up on that little house, we ran around the corner and there was my dad with a big smile on his face. And he said, son, it's okay. I'm good. Now, I woke up from that dream with two distinct feelings. One feeling was, that was just a dream. Darn. But the other feelings, which were more overwhelming, was the lingering feelings of, I saw him again. That was so great. I can't believe I saw him smile. I heard his voice. Oh, I miss my dad, but I know that he's okay. But then there was that lingering voice. It was just a dream. You see, on one hand... Maybe I got a message. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But I had the opportunity to believe that I was having a message. Along with that, though, came the opportunity to doubt. And you see, this is what's happening here in these scriptures. Jesus had told them, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to rise from the dead because I have that power. No one takes my life from me. You remember what the teacher taught us, right? No one takes his life from him. He gives his life and he will take it back up. He told them that in the same way that he has told you and I that. No different. Peter and, and Matthew and James and John and all of those men were no different than you and I here this morning. They put their robes on the same way you did. But they did have heartache the same way you and I do. They do have aches and pains the same way. They had the pressures of life the same way you and I do. They had the same decisions that they had to make. Do we follow Him? Do we not follow Him? Do we go this place or not go this place? They felt every single thing that you and I feel today. And yet, they followed Him into a place where He said, I'll be. You come there and I'll show myself to you. And they went. And what happened? He showed up. And when he showed up, he showed up with this opportunity. Trust me and believe or doubt. You see, with every opportunity that God gives you and I to believe him, there's another opportunity to doubt. 
So how do we begin to make this decision on how do we follow God? How are we to respond to those things that are of God? Well, I want you to look at how Jesus becomes the one who was the covenant keeper and becomes the covenant mediator. I know those are some difficult words, but up until this point, Jesus had come as a representative, as a new Adam into the world. Our first father, Adam, had sinned and had cast the whole universe and our lives into sin and ultimately into death. And not only would he bring death and usher death into creation, but he also transformed all that was living into all that would be dying. Because he had broken the covenant that he had made with God in the garden that he would not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in that process of breaking that covenant, he brought death upon all of us. So God sent his true and real son, Jesus, to the earth to be the one who would keep the covenant of obedience completely, both in his heart and in his mind and externally with all of his actions. And he would be the one who would keep the covenant of obedience with God and even unto death on a cross so that that obedience would be applied to you and I and we would become the beneficiaries of once again living under the umbrella of the blessings that were ours in our Father Christ. So that Paul, the apostle, would tell us all through his epistles that those of us who are in Christ are no longer in Adam. But in Christ, as Will read this morning, we are a new creation. And in that being a new creation, we have a new way of understanding life. And the understanding is this, is that when the covenant media keeper became the covenant mediator mediator when he says all authority in heaven and earth is mine now respond by going he lays the basis of authority of saying this i did it i kept my promises I established who I am to you. And it's upon this authority now. I command you, this is how you're to live. He gives them the opportunity to believe. But their belief is not based on a false hope. He gives them the opportunity to believe on a certain hope that he had kept the covenant and now he manages and establishes the covenant for all of eternity. And it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him and he came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. What What does it mean for you and I to worship the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth? And then he says, go. Well, these words go are nothing new in the scriptures. He told Adam and Eve, go, subdue the earth. 
Be fruitful, multiply. He renews the covenant again with Noah at the end of the story of the ark when he tells Noah and his family, go subdue the earth, be fruitful, multiply. And this is a reestablishment of that same covenant again when Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples. Go and conquer the world on my behalf. Go and disciple the world on my behalf. Based on... I have the authority to tell you to do that because I am the covenant mediator. I am the covenant keeper. I am your God. Now see, you this morning, and I do too, have the opportunity to believe when Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth is his or we can doubt. So when Jesus tells you this morning, all authority is his, go therefore, you have the opportunity to respond. And so do I. Now that I said earlier, please remember that no response is a response. So if I tell my children when they were younger, I don't get to tell them much anymore, But when they were younger, I got the privilege of telling them what to do. It was great. But if I tell my children, I want you to go out and cut the grass. And they said, maybe. If it fits into my schedule today, I'll be happy to do that, Dad. Can you imagine how I might respond to that? They they imagined it, and then that was their reality. Or what if they had said, you know, I hear you, but I just don't care. They'd have a new whole level of reality to deal with at that point. But you see, I have an authority as their parent. I have a position as their parent to tell them what is needed, to tell them what I need them to do. I give them the opportunity to respond to what I'm asking or telling them to do. And if they just sit in their room and they don't do anything, what are they communicating to my, about me about my authority? Right? Now, if the Lord, the ruler of the universe, gives us a command to do, and we're ambivalent towards it, or we're indifferent, what is our communication to Him? If we say, Lord, I hear you say, go, therefore, but I don't know where, so I'm not going to worry about it. Or we hear the Lord say, go, therefore, and we say, when I get time, yes. What are we communicating to the Lord? Or when the Lord says to you and I, collectively, as the body of Christ, He says to you and I, These things you shall do and even greater. We have the opportunity to believe that we as a collective body of Christ can do amazing and great things for the name of Christ. Or we can doubt. Or we can be ambivalent. Or we can just not care. We have those choices. 
But we have to understand the decision of our response is based on the one who gives the command. And the one who gives command is the one who says, I have all the authority. Understand then who we're dealing with. If he commands us, love one another, even as I have loved you. Yeah, not today. Don't feel like it much today. If he commands to us, serve one another, wash one another's feet, even as I have washed yours. Eh, not today. Don't like that person. If he commands us to go, and we say we'd rather stay. What do we communicate? You see, there's a difference, and it's a crucial and a critical difference. There's a difference between saying, I believe in Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. There's a life and death difference between saying, I believe in Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus. You remember the words of the Apostle James in the second chapter, right? You say that you know God, good for you. Even the demons believe that. East Glenville, what do you believe about the one who you worship? Do you believe truly that all power in heaven and earth is his? Because you see, there's a correlating response to that. If you do, then you experience the promise that he is always with you and he will never leave you. There's no other way for you to experience the fulfillment of that promise than the obedience of the command. If he tells you, go therefore, make disciples, and you refuse to do that, you will not experience the benefit of the promise, I'm always with you. But when we are obedient and we respond to the command, we experience the benefit of the promise of knowing His presence with us. It's no different than on Christmas getting a bicycle and saying, I know how to ride a bike when I've never put my fanny on the seat. Yes, I have a bike. Yes, it sits in the tree. Yes, it's pretty in the garage. But it's no good to me. It's no practical use until I put my fanny on the seat and pedal with my feet. I like to play golf. I'm not a golfer. I don't know how to play golf. I like to go out and swing a club. I like to look at them in the corner. I like to flip through the magazines. I like to dream about someday being on the tour. And then my birthday comes around and says, that didn't happen in sport. And so for me to promote to you, I'm a golfer, I'm a PGA professional. When I don't even know how to get below 80, 
It's just not true. You see, we can sit here all day long and we can say, Oh, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I think Jesus is the greatest thing in the world. As long as He doesn't ask me to come out of my comfort zone and do anything for Him, He's wonderful. As long as He doesn't ask me to live differently than the Rotary Club, I like Him. And as long as that pastor will not interfere in my life and just let me be comfortable, he's a good one. But there's no way for you and I as a church, there's no way for you and I as individual believers to experience the power of the living God within us unless we are responding to what He commands us to do. We talked about this in our class this morning. Understand, I'm not talking about obedience for a favor. I'm not talking about trying to earn our righteousness by our works. That is, that's not at all what I'm talking about. We have our righteousness. I'm talking about with our righteousness, how do we respond to a decree and a command that our King has given us? And what has He commanded us to do? Well, the Greek word here is, as you go... It means as you're living out, as you are following Christ, as you are being a follower of Jesus, make other followers of Jesus. As you are going throughout life, as you are doing that which God has called you to do, as you are going to the places that God has called you to go, as you are raising children, as you are being a spouse, as you're being a teenager, wherever you are in your station of life, whatever you're doing in your position of life, as you are doing that, live differently and make disciples by the way that you live. Be unique. Be different than the rest of the world. Give them something to look at and say, wow, that's different. Not, wow, that's mean. Wow, that's judgmental. Wow, that's an odd person. Wow, that's someone that's in my face all the time. But maybe something like, wow, that person has joy. Wow, that person is going places. Wow, that person is willing to risk everything on the one that they believe. And wow, they are dramatically and radically transformed in the way that they view life. And it's so much different than the way I see it. I want to have it. And then there's the opportunity to say why. And what would you say to them? What would you say to them when they said, your life's so different. You seem to have joy in the most crazy circumstances. You seem to have peace when the rest of the world seems crazy. You seem to have a passion that I just don't have. Why? What's your answer? Well, Jesus gives us the answer, doesn't He? Because I worship the One who has all authority in heaven and on earth. You see, my transformation isn't based on something that I want. Not even something that I think. My transformation is based on who I worship and what he says. Sometime back we talked about the church. And you remember this, many of you will. It's all for you, but it's all about him. How often do we still come in here on Sunday mornings thinking this is really all about me? 
I'll do it for him. The presence of God is with you and I this morning. He's here. And where He is, where His presence is, His power is there as well. You and I have the opportunity this morning to believe that. You also have the opportunity to doubt it. Your doubts can be swayed. Your doubts can be quenched with the belief that all power and authority is His. Go, therefore, and make disciples. These are not verses about baptism. It's not primarily verses about missions or evangelism. It's primarily about the promise of Christ saying, if you will obey me, I am with you. And you will experience power in your life. And I promise you that because I'm with you. And where I am, my power is with me. East Glenville has the opportunity to display such great power. Not just today, not just Sunday, but five years from now, two years from now, ten years from now, you have the opportunity to change and transform the community around you by changing and transforming the community within you. When your hearts change, the community will change. When you believe the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth has commanded you to go and do something for him, will you love him enough to go do it? That community will be transformed. But the transformation starts here, and it starts now. And it starts with you and the opportunity to believe. That there's something much bigger here. There's someone much stronger than a tired, weak man giving you words. But the power of the Spirit is working within the room. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And calling you out to be transformed for the glory of Jesus. Jack Miller, in his book, Outgrowing the Ingrown Church, asked this question of his community. And I want to ask it of you. When's the last time you did something just because you love Jesus? When's the last time you did something just because you loved Him? 
The second part of that question is this. When's the last time you stopped doing something because you loved him? You see, this is really an issue of love. We just got through this long series on intentional love. It all boils down to that. It always comes back to that. You remember his words, right? If you love me, you'll obey me. Go, therefore. Live in the promise of power. Because he's given you the opportunity to believe that he will do amazing things through you and through this church. Bigger than you and I have ever believed or considered. If we will believe. Let's pray.